0: And today I want to preach to you a message entitled, What is a Woman? And I want you to understand, in preaching this message, it's really easy to mock the world. But if I were you, I wouldn't do that. Because the world doesn't need your mockery. You know what the world needs? Your truth. When a Supreme Court justice can sit down in a hearing and be asked, what is a woman? And to say, I cannot answer that. That shows you the sad state of our country. But the purpose of my message this morning is not necessarily to set right the world. But I do think it's very important to realize that I think a lot of Christians have taken things for granted, and if they were asked to explain their theology of womanhood, many would be left tripping over their tongues. I was taught at this college for many years as a student and later on as a staff member under Brother Comfort, listen, the world doesn't need my opinions, the world needs the Word of God. And so I'm not interested in delving in science this morning. I'm not a scientist. But I will tell you this: I know what the Bible says, and so I told my freshman orientation class, or excuse me, my personal evangelism class, this morning. This message will probably do one of two things, and if it does both, I'll count it time well spent. Number one, I hope it takes every male chauvinist and sets them on fire. And I know the men don't amen that, but that's okay. And I hope for every person here that's embracing a feminist theology or a feminist mindset that you'll be jerked from the pull of the world and that you'll embrace who you are according to the Bible. Because the Bible teaches us that being a woman is a wonderful thing. If you're a woman here today, listen, it's a wonderful, exalted position that God has given you. And so with all of that being said, let's read our text, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22. The Bible says, And the rib which the Lord God hath taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, Now this, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Do you know that it is more common today in Christian camps and in churches to deal with transgender ideology than ever before. Now, there are some people that have taken the approach. They say, we just don't talk about that in church. Let me tell you something. If you don't start talking about it, it's going to take a root. I believe people are well-meaning. They say, we don't want our people to be exposed to that. I understand in one sense why that is said, but let me tell you something. When you sit in youth camps and you talk to people who have two mothers or they're confused about gender, listen to me, if there's ever a time that the people of God better better really work on this area and to have clear Bible teaching, it's right now. I would much rather teach my young people about those issues than Hollywood mention the terms. I would much rather use God's definition than the world's definition. And so this is why this is of great importance. But you understand the world's philosophies push on the people of God sometimes in a very powerful way in which people become sympathetic to the philosophies of the world and it creeps in. And so this message today, I hope God will use it to teach men how they ought to treat women and to teach women who they have been created to be. It's not an end-all message. Uh, My wife could do a much better job teaching about Christian womanhood, but this is a message, this is a question that you need to answer and know it well. So the first thing that I tell you this morning in the answer of what is a woman, the woman is defined by creation. A woman is defined by creation. And I want you to see two things as we talk about this matter that a woman is defined by creation. Number one, she is made in the image of God. Number two, she is made from man. These are two undeniable things that you need to understand. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created He them. So you understand that every individual in this room, listen to me, you've been created in the image of God and you have been assigned your gender. There were some things I had no option about coming into this world. God didn't let me choose my parents. If some of you could have chosen your parents, you'd have chosen rich ones, right? Because we think we know better than God. God didn't let me choose my parents, and you know what? God didn't let me choose my gender. He created me. Listen, God created, handcrafted each one of you as male and female, and those are the two options. Now, I will say this: if you've watched any of the people, they say, "Well, there are people that you know they they can be considered male or female. Their gender is not very clear." There's several things I have to say about that. Number one is that's a very vast minority of this world's population. Number two, I think that's a result of the fall. Now before you get too personal about it, listen, my mom was born with cerebral palsy. I never watched, she never could run. The first day that I ever thought about her running was the day that she died, and I said, she's running in heaven. But you know what? That's a genetic flaw. And because of the fall, we experience different things. I am not unnerved when somebody comes to me and says, well, what about this person that may be in the cracks legitimately from a physiological standpoint? I say, that's the result of the fall. We have genetic defects. We have people in here that are sometimes predispositioned to certain diseases. Why? Because of genetics. Sometimes it's diabetes. Sometimes it's cancer. Why? Because of the fall of man. So I'm not bothered by that. And it still causes me to say, listen, God created male and female. Why am I so dogmatic about gender? Because God's the one who assigned it. And that's why you can be dogmatic about it. You don't have to be condescending. But you can say, listen, it was by creation. If you're a woman here today and you've ever had misgivings about being a woman... Does that ever happen? I'm sure it does in the minds of some people. Listen, you can take solace in the fact that the perfect God of heaven created you. Some of you are tall, some of you are short, some of you might be thin, and others of you are like me. You wish you were thin, all right? But I'm just telling you, listen, you're pre- the way that God has made you, listen, you can take, you can take confidence in the fact that God's, God's created you. His fingerprint is upon you. You've been made in the image of God. And by the way, young men, one of the reasons you ought to treat these ladies with respect is because they've been made in the image of God just like you. Young men don't like being disrespected. Well, neither do young ladies. But not only in creation are you made in the image of God, but ladies, I will tell you, you were created from man. Don't throw a hymnal at me. I'm not here to gloat in it, but I am here to tell you, you were taken from that rib. I heard one commentator, he put it this way. He said, ladies, don't look at that as a put-down. Look at that as a great thing because you have to understand man was made from dirt. Hey, ladies, you've been made from refined dirt, so you're doubly refined. (laughs) Listen to me. The world says, you know what? You, a preacher that says that, you know, he's just saying that women are subservient. Listen to me. I'm not saying that that women are slaves. If you want to talk about misperceptions of women today, you can get it very quickly by looking at Hollywood. Hollywood teaches that women are objects, that women are toys, and yet, isn't it amazing? that it's the crowd that objectifies women the most that sometimes scream the loudest about it. And I'm like, look in your own house. But when I say that you came from man, I'm not here to say that, you know what, that just makes you out to be a zero with the rim rubbed out. I'm just saying that, listen, God made Adam. And then from Adam, God made a woman. God made Eve. You know, some of you think language classes. Uh, here at the school can be boring. And sometimes they are. I mean, even Brother Hankey's class, there's got to be times. It's, do you still have class at 7 in the morning? Yeah. Uh, we do that on purpose. You know why we do that? Because I had to take it at 7 in the morning, so you have to take it at 7 in the morning. But I remember in Hebrew class, we were talking about the word for man, ish. And then man, or woman is taken from man, and that word is ishah. It sounds so much better, doesn't it? Ish. Ish is hard. Isha. Sounds better, doesn't it? They said that they were going to call Eve woman because she came from man. And I remember in class we were joking, you know, you have to find creative ways sometimes to rejoice in a language class. And we remembered saying, yeah, you know, so woman came from man. Adam probably went like, whoa, man. Woman came from man. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You can't deny those two things. And don't be ashamed to proclaim it and believe it and embrace it. You're a woman. God has created you as such. And let me just say this. I know sometimes we have ideas about womanhood that, uh, you know, it's like, well, woman can't be strong. or You know, listen, I've known women to be deer hunters. And they're still women. Uh, I've known of guys who sat behind a desk and didn't get out, and you know they're still men. They're doing a different type of work. Sometimes our definition of manhood and womanhood—it's, you know—you just better put it up to the scrutiny of Scripture. But just understand this: listen, creation—you've been made in the image of God as a woman. And yes, God made you from man, but when making you that way, listen to me, there was a design and there was a reason, and you need to understand that. So number one, we see that we are, you are defined by creation. Number two, you're defined by your role. Now there's a variety of roles that a woman fulfills in life. And, you know, it really mar- I marvel at the world. The world says, well, you know, if this woman, if you say a woman is somebody who can have a child, well, this woman, she's a past childbearing age, that's a faulty definition. The world is always looking at a cop-out just to deny the obvious, okay? And don't play the game. Instead of listening to what they have to say, read the Bible. You'll see several roles that a woman fulfills. One is the role of a daughter. Genesis 5 verse 4, And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. You know, most of the time people are like, Man, after 35 don't have kids. Well, they had kids and lived another 800 years, and they're still having them along the way. I don't know when that stopped. But you have sons and you have daughters. You know, there are ladies in here, you fulfill the role of a daughter. Another role that you fulfill is that of a sister. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12 and verse 50, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Jesus takes a family illustration. Jesus takes a family illustration. He talks about a brother, a sister, and a mother. He refers to the will of his Father. He uses familial terms. And we live in a day and time where they're taking those familial terms and they're rearranging them. Father and father, or mother and mother. Listen, it doesn't matter what any birth certificate says, you cannot, you cannot deny the fact that Jesus Himself spoke very, very firmly about familial relationships. There's some people, they say, well, Jesus never spoke about, you know, Jesus never talked about same sex marriage. Yes, He did. You say, where at? Matthew 19. Jesus went all the way back to the book of Genesis, quotes the book of Deuteronomy. And He talks about a man and a woman being joined together. He did talk about same-sex marriage. He said, this is marriage, that is not. And Jesus speaks about the family relationship and even talks about, in this context, somebody, having a, somebody who has a love for the will of God is the brother, sister, mother. We find that Jesus also talks about the superiority of our love for God. It should make that other love appear as hate. The Bible tells us in Romans 16 and verse 1, Paul said, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Synchria. You find that not only used in a physical situation, but you find that used in a spiritual sense. I know a lot of times we make fun about talking about brother. You know, we call brother so-and-so, brother so-and-so. But saying somebody sister so-and-so, that's got scriptural admonition too. Sister Phoebe. Now guys, let me encourage you to do something. When you think about how to treat these young ladies, why don't you treat them as a sister? Not a doormat. Treat them with respect. You know, my wife, she's my wife, but she's also my sister. She's my sister in Christ. And you know what? There are some of you here, when it comes to your own family relations, you're very defensive, you're very deferential to a sister. But when it comes in general to treating the opposite gender, treating young ladies, you don't have that deference. Listen, you ought to think about it. Phoebe was denoted as a sister in the faith. Another role that is fulfilled by ladies is that of a wife. This is where it sort of gets a little interesting. Will every young lady in this room get married? Probably not. I'm not going to go into great detail, but Paul talks about a gift of singleness, and there will be some that may be single all their lives, but I think I can safely say probably the vast majority of you will get married. Now, I know for some people, they say, I don't like that. Well, how about this? How about letting God decide that? And for those that want to get married, don't shame them, but for those that are saying, you know, it's interesting. Years ago, Brother Spencer would be an expert in this. There was a group. It was called Bachelors Till the Rapture. (laughs) And it was a time when men would pride themselves. No, you know, it's just men were just hopeless. They just thought there was no hope. That's what it was. And they would gather together around Valentine's Day, which Chad Harrison hates, I found out. But he hates it for a good reason. He thinks you ought to show love all the time, not just one day a year. So hear him out before you judge him. We had this deep conversation yesterday. But that bachelor to the rapture club, you had these guys that prided themselves that they were going to be single the rest of their lives. And you know what happened? I would say with the exception of only one or two, they're all married, all the chairmen of that group. <laughs> so ladies, I'm just telling you, guys struggle with the same thing. They, you just don't call it bachelors till the rapture. I I, I don't know, I don't know, but I will tell you this. You know what, for the vast majority of you in here, listen, you ladies will be a wife. Now, if you're not a wife, that doesn't make you any less of a woman, but I'm just saying here is a role that you're going to have to fulfill. So instead of kicking and screaming and failing to learn about it right now, I'd learn all I can. Because I'm going to tell you, when you get married, you're going to find those job duties are over your head. You're going to be like, oh, wow. Just like I found it out about being a husband. Genesis 2 and verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's the first mention you find of the idea of marriage. And then Ephesians five twenty four. Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. There you talk about in the family structure, you talk about a subjection. Listen to me. Subject and slave are not synonymous. Now the world takes that word and says, "You mean she's got to be subject to her husband?" That's wrong. But do you know that in everything God's done, God's orchestrated order and structure? The world removes that structure. You know what? It creates chaos. Just because God said the woman is subject to the husband, listen to me, that doesn't mean that she's any less. It doesn't mean that she's a slave. She is fulfilling her role, but the world will tell you that. And then Ephesians 5 verse 28, Saul, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Guys, you want to know why we're trying to teach you now to treat these young ladies with respect? I know they're not, you know, you're not married yet for most of you. But I'm going to tell you what, there comes a point when God gives you that individual, listen, you love them just like your own self. It's a sacrificial love. And you need to begin learning to have that respect. Ladies, I'm going to tell you the greatest friend to womanhood is the Bible. Because it teaches these men, listen, it teaches them to love that person as if it's their own bodies. The Bible is not an enemy of womanhood, but the world makes it out to be. Another role that a woman has to fulfill is that of mother. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3 and verse 20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Nobody's ever had more great, 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 great grandchildren than Eve. She's the mother of all living. You know, a mother is an exalted position that God gives. Listen, you ladies, as I'm going to illustrate at the end of this message, listen, you have the opportunity of being a mother and to shape another life who can go out and make a difference for others in eternity. And while a dad may be the leader of the household, I'm going to tell you the mother, so often I look at my wife and I look at my children, and so often I see her fingerprints, So often I see her kindness when I was so ten- had a tendency to be harsh. So often I saw her compassion when I maybe failed in that area, and she had a great she had a great and continues to, even with our youngest still being at home. she, she has that influence. Do all that you can to learn what it means to be these things. Proverbs 10 and verse 1. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. You know, a mother is trying to shape that son, but when you go out and you live in an awful way, you bring heaviness to that mother. It's not so much I want to talk about the role of motherhood for a moment, but I want to talk about some of you. Listen, when it comes to your mothers right now, they're grieved, they're not happy maybe with the way that you're living. And one day when you become a mother, you're going to feel the same thing. Everybody do me a favor, poke the person beside of you right now. Would you do that? because I'm not going to draw attention to anybody sleeping, but I will after this, okay? That was the one warning shot, okay? But you know, there are some of you, listen, it may be that your mother is grieving, and she's grieving because she knows that you're not sold out, and she knows that you want to live the way that you want to live, and the truth is, you're like, man, I'm going to tell you, when I can get out and do my own thing, that's the way that I'm going to live, and your mother's heart is heavy, and if you're going to be a mother, maybe one day you feel that as well. There was a guy who was in my evangelistic preaching class several years ago. He preached a message. I'll never forget the title. It was from this text. The title of his message was this. He said, How heavy is your mom? And you know what? I didn't know how to take that message, but once he got about 10 minutes in, he was plowing people. And there may be some of you, listen, one day you're going to be a mother and right now your mother weeps for you, your mother cries for you, your mother worries throughout the day as to whether or not you're even going to cross the finish line. But I'm telling you, a mother is a role that a woman carries and it's a unique role that only she can bear. But another role that I'll give you is that of co-laborer. I don't believe that women are here and men are here. You know, when I serve at this school and I serve with women here at this college, uh, you know, I I don't want to treat them like dirt under my feet. They're co-laborers. I think I ought to treat them the way Paul treated his co-laborers, don't you? The Bible tells us in... Uh, Acts chapter 18 and verse 26, it says, "...and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, speaking of Apollos, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly." You know, there's some men I know they can't learn from women. You know, I still remember, I remember several years ago, Mrs. now, who's now Mrs. Townsend. She's over at Crossroads, and she was my English teacher. She had a task that nobody should have had. And it was right there on that platform. That woman came up just as meek and mild as could be. And she said, now, Alton, that was an excellent message. But did you know that you said this when it actually should be this? And I just hung my head and I said, You know, I didn't catch that, but thank you. Fellas, it's okay for women to teach you a thing or two. And she didn't have to come up and say, I'm high and mighty, I'm your English teacher, bow to me. But you know what? That woman, just like I think in the spirit of of this lady alongside her husband, they came and they taught this man. They brought him along. Listen, fellas, if you don't think a woman can teach you anything, don't get married. You know, women are co-laborers. Romans 16 and verse 3, Paul said, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Jesus Christ. You know, I feel like every lady that's on this faculty and staff, you know what? They're their helpers to the gospel. I'm not gonna want to talk down to them. I want to treat them with respect. And in the church, that's the way it ought to be. Romans 16 and verse 2, speaking again of Phoebe, it says that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Paul said, This woman has meant the world to me. Your co laborer. That's part of your role, young lady. Be a fellow helper of the gospel. Be a co-laborer of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Give yourself to it. So number one, you're defined by creation. Number two, you're defined by role. Number three, you're defined by respect. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now I know, I know. Some people resist that. That is not something that is a sign of weakness that makes a woman out to be less. But you know, it's interesting when you go to the military, they still require the men to do more push-ups than the ladies. Why is that? I watched a, uh, there was an MMA fighter and she had somebody come up to her and they said, why don't you make as much money as these guys that are in the same profession? They make them a lot more than you. And she looked at them and she said, well, the truth is they don't bring in as much money as when I'm fighting as when they're fighting. So it just sort of makes sense to me. And then they turned the interview off. You know, sometimes the world's idea of equality, you just can't buy into that. You know, it just like defies sense a little bit. But some of you ladies, you're like, I don't like that idea of being the weaker vessel. I'm going to tell you, my wife likes it. When I show deference to her. Guys, listen, one of the things we want to teach you here is to show deference to women. That is so foreign in society today. Open a door for the women. When you see them coming, you make the effort to open the door. I expect that. And by the way, ladies, I expect you to say thank you. And I remember a preacher years ago telling me, he said, if you open the door for a lady and she doesn't say thank you, the next time just let it go. You know what that will do? That will teach us here to have the kind of deference and respect that we ought to have. I open the door for my wife. Can she open the door? Yes, she can. She probably can get out of the car quicker than I can. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to show her deference. I can go to places and show deference to my wife and the world looks at that like, what's your problem? But I think that when you look at women the way that God does, you don't see them as some weakling. That listen, Proverbs thirty-one, we see that they're strong. They can run a business. I mean, they they they're running a household. Listen, there's a great strength there. But women, you ought to honor the or men, you ought to honor the women. I think it's a Bible principle. In respect, you know, I hope. That when people look at Ambassador Baptist College, first of all, they're going to see the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to see people proclaiming it and say, boy, that's a powerful thing. But I hope that they're going to see a lot of other things along the way. And I hope that they see women who are going to embrace the roles that God has given them. I hope that they'll see men who know that women are not as Hollywood depicts them to be and they treat them with great respect. And it's a testimony to a lost and dying world. In my evangelistic preaching class, I have the gentleman listen to a message by an old preacher, his name R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee was a pastor in Tennessee and he was a very eloquent man. The message that he preached that they listened to in class, it's an hour and ten minutes long. But I want to read to you two excerpts of R.G. Lee's message, Payday Someday is the name of it. And in that message, Payday Someday, in one paragraph, R.G. Lee tells you what happens when a woman is at her worst. But then in another paragraph, he tells you just how powerful and influential women really are. And so I want to close by reading you these two paragraphs. And the first one is when, when R.G. Lee is introducing all of the characters in the story with Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah. And the man has very picturesque language, but I want you to listen to how he describes Jezebel and what women are at their worst. And so I want you to listen as I read it. Lee said, I introduce to you Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of Tyre, and wife of Ahab, the king of Israel. A king's daughter and a king's wife. The evil genius at once of her dynasty and of her country. Infinitely more daring and reckless was she in her wickedness than, she was her, than was her wicked husband. Masterful, indomitable, implacable, a devout worshiper of Baal. She hated anyone and everyone who spoke against or refused to worship her pagan god. As blunt in her wickedness and as brazen in her lewdness as she, she was, she is Cleopatra, fair sorceress of the Nile. She had all the subtle and successful scheming of Lady Macbeth, all of the adulterous desire and treachery of Potiphar's wife, all the boldness of Mary, Queen of Scots, all the cruelty and whimsical imperiousness of Catherine of Russia, all the devilish infamy of Madame Pompadour, and doubtless all the fascination of personality of a Josephine of France." Most of that which is bad and all evil women found expression through this painted viper of Israel. She had that rich endowment of nature which a good woman ought to always dedicate to the service of her day and generation. But alas, this idolatrous daughter of an idolatrous king of an idolatrous people engaging with her maidens in worship unto Ashtoreth. The personification of the most forbidding obscenity, uncleanness, and sensuality became the evil genius who wrought wreck, brought blight, and devised death. She was the beautiful and malicious adder coiled upon the throne of Israel. It's quite a description of a woman, isn't it? But for those of you that would think that he was a male chauvinist, he went on later to say this. He said, the spiritual life of a nation, city, town, school, church, or home never rises any higher than the spiritual life of women. Search the pages of the Bible all you will, study all you please, and you'll find one truth that stands out above some other truths. What is that truth? The truth that the spiritual life of a nation, city, town, school, church, or home never rises any higher than the spiritual life of women. When women sag morally and spiritually, men sag morally and spiritually. When women slump morally and spiritually, men slip morally and spiritually. When women take the downward road, men travel with them. And when women are lame morally and spiritually, men limp morally and spiritually. The degeneracy of womanhood helps the decay of manhood. Ladies, I think who God made you to be is very, very important. You have a great impact on this school, you'll have a great impact on your home. What is a woman? She's defined by creation. She's defined by her role and she's defined by respect. So leave this chapel today holding your head up high. Because God created you who you are. He made you the way that you ought to be. And if you'll embrace that, God will use you in a great way to make a difference for Him. I hope you'll do that. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Our Father, as we close this service today... It's been of a different sort. Lord, there's two things specifically that I'd pray. Number one is I pray that the people in this room would have a clearer understanding of a woman and what you have created her to be. Truth is, Lord, this is sort of a feeble attempt to do it, but I hope it's a beginning. Lord, I pray for the young ladies here that are trying to figure out what roles that they'll have. Lord, would they be surrendered to you? And Father, I pray as well, not only would you help our young ladies here, but you'd help our young men. Help this to be a place where women are respected, held in high regard. Where our men treat them with respect. And that a lost and dying world would look at a place like this and they would see what happens when people embrace their biblical roles. Lord, there's peace, there's joy, there's contentment. And that would cause them to thirst for the gospel. And Lord, I also pray that you would use this message to help those here as they deal with these situations. That Lord, that they would be able to express themselves in a way from the Scripture with confidence. And that, Lord, they'd not be subtly influenced by the world. Boy, if there's anything the world needs to see today, it's the truth. Help us to stand firmly on it. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.